church family, this particular series that we are in, this series is not a game changer. That's not the words that I believe appropriately describes what God is going to do with this series. This series is not a game changer, but rather it is a life changer. This series has been constructed and designed by the Holy Spirit to get us to see results. This is why for part one of this planted series, for part one, I was trying to tell us, okay, everybody who's saying that 2023 is going to be the year you win. Everybody who's running around saying God's going to do this this year and I'm going to do that this year. You're actually setting yourself up for disappointment on December the 31st of 2023. If you're saying God's going to do this, but your routines don't change. Because hear me, church family, it's not that God is not hearing our prayers. It's just that talk can't override traits. Did y'all hear what I just said? Talk can't override traits. You can talk all you want to about what God is going to do. But if your traits of petty haven't changed, if your traits of rebellion haven't changed, if your traits of disobedience haven't changed, if your traits of sleeping with somebody that you're not married to, uh uh-oh, hasn't changed, you have a lot of talk, but you don't have the traits. And frustration is imminent. When you keep on getting no results and the child lack is the child of uncertainty. When I keep on lacking results, uncertainty rises. When I keep on lacking a return on my investment, uncertainty rises. And I'm trying to help us to become a people who stop saying, nah, I'm good, but suffer in silence. Enough with that. I'm good. No, you're not. How about be honest and say, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated that I do not see the fruit from my labor. I'm frustrated. I'm still grieving over the life I thought I would have by now. Because like I told us, your new life is always going to come at the expense of your old one. And if we be honest, all of us have experienced a time in our life, if you haven't, keep on walking with Jesus, there is going to be a time where you thought that this would happen by now, but it didn't. And do you still know how to trust him when he seems to be delayed? It's okay to acknowledge that. The problem is staying in that. Staying in that particular place. And my assignment, the Holy Commission with this particular sermon series is to get us to become believers, to get us to become Christ followers, to get us to become world changers, to get us to become ambassadors who are fruitful. Somebody shout fruit. But that's only going to happen if you are planted. And the reason I've been preaching so passionately, the reason I've been sweating out my clothes each and every week, And the reason that some of us have possibly already experienced opposition this year, the reason that some of us have already experienced assault and attacks is because the enemy knows if they ever can become planted. I feel like preaching this afternoon. If they ever can become people who are planted. If they ever can become people who have made a resolve to remain, even after the desire to remain has left. If they could ever become people who have discovered that the power of the problem is in the routine. If they could ever become people who recognize the benefit of being planted is that you will experience fruit in your season. If they could ever become planted, chains are going to break. If they could ever become planted, strongholds will be be demolished. If they could ever become planted, they will shift the trajectory of their bloodline. If they could ever become planted, their marriage will improve. If they could ever become planted, their singleness will improve. If they could ever become planted, they'll grow in Christ. If they could ever become planted, they will be like a tree by the streams of living water who yields its fruits and its season, and your leaf will not wither if we could ever become planted. But there is 
this bacteria. Hmm. This bacteria that has infected and affected our ability to be planted. And we're going to spend the rest of our time this afternoon talking about that bacteria that's getting in the way of us being planted. Our foundational text, John chapter 21. I want us to see this. I'm going to have to explain it first. John chapter 21. We're going to launch our reading at verse 18. In just a moment, I want to give you a little backdrop. Peter and Jesus are having this conversation. Peter and Jesus are conversing, and Peter's like, Lord, I'm willing to die for you. We live together. We die together. Disciples for life. <laughs> I'm going to go all the way. And Peter says, <laughs> bro, before the rooster crows, three times, before the rooster crows on tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, never. I'm about that life. So after the Last Supper, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Judas comes, and he betrays Jesus with a kiss. Sidebar, every kiss is not a sign of endearment. Sometimes it's a sign of betrayal. So he, he kisses, somebody caught that. He kisses Jesus, and Jesus tells Judas, friend, do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss. Now remember, Peter's about that life. So he took out his sword and he chopped off the high priest servant's ear. And Jesus is like, okay, bag, bag. Go ahead and put your, your strap up. Don't you know that I can call on my father right now? And he will send me more than 12 legions of angels. But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? And Jesus does his last earthly miracle. Before his crucifixion and resurrection, he takes this man's bloody ear, puts it back on this man's head so that if they tried to convict Peter of assaulting an officer, they couldn't do it because Jesus erased the evidence. That's a whole other sermon. So they arrest Jesus. They're beating Jesus, kicking Jesus. Now, Peter sees all of this. He sees this mob beating Jesus up. He's warming himself by the fire. Read your Bible. I'm just giving it to you fast track. And they're like, yo, you one of them. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know who, who Jesus is. Because as he's looking, they're spitting on Jesus. They blindfolded Jesus, punched him in the face and said, prophesy, who hit you? They're mocking Jesus. Peter sees all of that. And they're like, yo, you Hey, he's one of them. His accent is giving it away. And it's like, no, I don't know who he is. And so they keep on saying, we know that you're a Christian. Can anybody tell that you're a Christian without you saying something? Can anybody tell that you've been with the king because of your kingdom accent? They were like, we know that you're with him. Your accent gives it away. And so Peter had to let them know, okay, let me go ahead and let y'all know I'm not a Christian. I don't bleep and know him. So y'all stop bleeping messing with me. Read the Bible and start cursing. I don't bleep and know him. And if y'all bleep, keep coming at me. I'm a bleep, bleep, y'all too. So y'all bleep, I don't know him. It's the Bible. And then the rooster crows remind him he's a chicken. <laughs> The rooster crows, rooster crows, feels horrible, he runs off, Jesus' trial is at night, they'll let you know it's sketchy. They're beating him, they flog him, they nail him to a cross. And as I was studying the crucifixion years ago, I used to wonder, God, why, why did Jesus have to hang so long? I mean, he hung there for hours, having to push himself up to breathe. This is why the Roman soldiers would break their legs so that you would suffocate. And you couldn't push yourself up. But for hours, our master is just sitting there causing himself to breathe. I'm like, why did Jesus have to hang so long? And I, be I believe God gave me the revelation. It's because I want you to know I love you even when you feel like I left you hanging. Jesus, this is so good, y'all. I haven't even read the text yet. Jesus dies. The third day, he gets up with all power. In his hand. And actually, believe it or not, the first preachers of the gospel were women. <laughs> For everybody who has a problem with women preachers, truthfully, 
the first carriers of the gospel. Y'all don't believe me. Let me show you just so y'all can see this. Just a side note. Luke chapter 24, verse 8. It says, and they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus, and the other women with them. Women, no men. Women who told these things to the men. It's Bible. First carriers of the gospel were actually women. So then, after Jesus raised from the grave, he shows himself to his disciples. He has this conversation again with Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. He says, Peter, Simon Barjona, do you love me? He says, Lord, you, you know I love you. Jesus tells him, feed my sheep. Says, Peter, this is the third time. I'm like, all these threes. There were three people on Calvary Hill. Peter denied him three times. Jesus was in the grave for three days. And Jesus is restoring him three times. He asked him the third time, do you love me? Jesus asked him this, and Peter starts to feel some type of way. Probably because he's like, oh, Lord, you know all things. (laughs) Feed my sheep. And after he says this to Peter, this is where we're jumping in on, on this conversation. John chapter 21, verse 18. This is Jesus speaking to Peter. He says, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself. Certain translations say dressed. You girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand, and another will dress you or gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. Because Peter was crucified as well, but he was crucified upside down because he said, I wasn't worthy enough to be killed like the Lord. A whole other level of Christianity. We get offended because we have to scoot anyway. So after he says this, signifying by what death he would glorify God, when he spoke these things, he said to him, follow me. When Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Our verses of emphasis, our clause of concern that's going to be our waiter to give us some spiritual insight for the rest of our shamanic journey on this afternoon are these eight profound words, eight profound words that Jesus tells Peter in John chapter 21, verse 22. These eight words, he tells Peter, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words, you know what Jesus was telling Peter? That's none of your business. That's none of your business. Mind your business. You know what your business is, Peter? Follow me. Don't worry and focus on John. You follow me. Drive it home, Jerry. Don't worry about what they're saying. Follow me. Don't worry about what they're saying on the news. Follow me. Don't worry about what people think about you because it is not your responsibility to try to change the version that somebody has of you in their head. That's exhausting. Let them think what they want to think. You know what you need to do? You follow me. You follow me. You follow me. When it's hard, you follow me. When it gets difficult, you follow me. When you don't like it, you follow me. When it's uncomfortable, you follow me. Bad breakup, you follow me. Layoff, you follow me. Negative doctor support, you follow me. Stop worrying about them. Says, mind your business. And many of us are like, okay, but God, I want a ministry like brother and sister so-and-so, and God, I want an opportunity and a platform like brother and sister so-and-so. But here's my question. What do you do if God wants to give you a 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 type of ministry? Put this on the screen where we can see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, What no eye has seen, 
what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. What if I told you, you praying, God, I want a ministry like that as you actually settling. I'm going to do something in your life. I feel this. I'm going to do something in your life. Eyes haven't seen it. I'm going to do something in your singleness. Ears haven't heard it. I'm going to do something in your ministry, Jerry. Minds can't even conceive it. I'm going to do something in your life and something in your city that you are going to be a pioneer. So the question is, do you trust me enough to anoint you as my blueprint? Do you trust me enough to anoint you as my example? Do you trust me enough to anoint you as the one I will use? I want it like them, but what if I want to do something that's never been seen before? <laughs> Actually, we could be settling. I want to anoint you to be my trailblazer. So for you to do that, you're going to have to stop letting the comments of those who only follow trails affect your blaze. You're called to be a trailblazer. Preach Holy Spirit. I'm doing something new in your life. Peter says... Look, what, what about John? <laughs> what, what about John? I'm going to follow you, but what about John? I want you all to help me preach this, okay? When I point at you, I want you to shout as loud as you can, you follow me, all right? Y'all don't have the right to remain silent. I want you to preach this as a declaration over your life and to intimidate hell. When I point at you, you shout, you follow me, all right? Going through a pandemic. You follow me. Hard circumstance. You follow me. Negative doctor's report. You follow me. Not enough views yet. I don't know how I'm going to do it. That breakup hurts. Ministry not growing yet. Mama's toxic. Family's toxic. Pastor's toxic. Regardless what you face, y'all say it. You follow me. Don't worry about John. You follow me. Mind your business. This is probably the only time this is appropriate without you offending somebody. Could you find like two people around you and tell them, mind your business? (laughs) Just two people. No. No. Y'all, uh-uh. You got to say it like they're asking too many questions. Or how about this? You got to say it like you're out. You got to say it like you're out having lunch by yourself. Your phone rings. Some stranger walks up to you, taps you on the soldier and say, who that? Can I get y'all to shout? That's none of your business. It's my phone. I want to speak around this thought from this subject for just a few moments. Mind your business. Mind your business. Let's say this together. And everybody watching online, could you put this in the room in all caps? Let's say this together. Everybody say, Father, Father, whatever you have for me, me, I want it. it. And what's not for me, me, block it. it. I trust you. One more time. Father, Father, whatever you have for me, tap your chest, make it personal. Whatever you have for me, I want it. And what's not for me, block it. I trust you. Does anybody agree with that? Every door I'm supposed to walk in, I want it. Every platform I'm supposed to be on, I want it. And everyone I'm not, block it. Mind your business. Foundational text. Jesus is really telling Peter... Mind your business. Just mind your business. That's all. Just mind your business. (laughs) What if I told you that one of the biggest deterrents, one of the biggest fruit-producing inhibitors, the bacteria that's infecting and affecting our ability to be planted is comparison comparison. What about John? Comparison is the meal prep for insecurity because you don't know their blooper reel. 
Y'all hear what I just said? Comparison. It is the meal prep for your insecurity because you don't know their blooper reel. Because people don't post their failures. Comparison. Comparison. Comparison is the womb that gives birth to, watch this, it is the womb that gives birth to either jealousy or arrogance. Now remember, jealousy is psychological confusion of an expectation. That's what jealousy is. So you're jealous because of their harvest when you weren't planted? (laughs) You expect God to do in your life what he did in their life, but you're not planted like their life? And your is, is psychological confusion of an expectation. And arrogance is to be full of yourself. I noticed this. During the summer when Sahara dust comes over in Texas, or usually when you're around something that's really dusty, you <coughs> sneeze. Because God wired you to not be full of yourself. Because you're made from the dust of the earth and the dust of the field. So whenever dust comes around, God is saying, I don't want you to be full of you. You look dusty. I don't want you to be full of yourself. Comparison. Comparison. (laughs) Comparison. Here's the thing that we have to remember. The potter is the same. But the process is different. Yahweh is the same over all of us, but he processes all of us different. He processed them different because they needed character. You already have character, but you lack compassion. So I have to process you differently. It's the same potter, but he processes us all different. Somebody say different. different. Yeah, they need to be free from people pleasing. So I have to process them in a certain way. Oh, but you have to get humility. So I have to process you in a certain way. The process is different, but the potter is the same. Therefore, to compare or to copy is to forfeit your uniqueness or your development. This is so good, man. Your uniqueness is tied to your greatness. The reason nobody's fingerprint looks like yours is because you were designed to leave an imprint in the earth that's different from everybody else's. The potter is the same, but the process is different. To copy is to cast yourself in somebody else's film that you're not graced for. So you're dealing with fights. You're not even strong enough to fight because this is not your battle. This is theirs. You just were copying them. Comparison. Comparison. So this was actually kind of funny to me when I was studying it because Peter is having this conversation. Jesus has given him this deep revelation. He's restoring him. Feed my sheep. Feed my lamb. Peter's like, okay, uh, I heard you talk about feed your sheep. I got you, Jesus. I heard you about feed your lamb, but what about this man? That's literally what the Bible says. Verse 21, it says, Peter seeing him said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Whose man's is this? He's like, okay, I have to die. I have to be stretched out. Okay, how he gonna die though? Are y'all catching this? Now John calls himself the beloved. This is what he calls himself. The writer of John is John, so he's like the beloved, the one whom Jesus loves. And he's like, okay, since Jesus loved you so much, and I'm going to glorify him by dying on the cross, how, how is John going to die? <laughs> well, what about him? And Jesus, church, can I get us to get this? It's going to be hard for you to see what God is doing in your life when you're looking at John's. This is so good, y'all. It's going to be hard for you to see because I can be planted in my business. When I say business, I mean purpose. I can be planted in my business and in John's business at the same time. Because planted seeds don't lurk. This, this seed right here cannot lurk on anybody else's seed. Because planted seeds don't lurk. Planted seeds can't stalk. Planted seeds can't
can't monitor. I'm so caught up underneath the soil of my purpose, under the soil of my mandate, under the soil of my assignment. No, I didn't hear about what happened to them. Planted seeds are not good gossipers. I'm trying to figure out how to edit this. I'm trying to figure out what's a better camera quality for my podcast. I'm trying to figure out how to be a better speaker. I'm trying to figure out what piano lessons do I need to take. I'm trying to figure out how to improve my jump shot. I'm so caught up under the soil of my becoming, I didn't hear what happened. Y'all ever notice people who gossip say, girl, I heard. Who told you? (laughs) You need to be the type of person who will bust a three-way in a minute. Hey, I heard, okay, hold on, let's FaceTime him, them, them, and let's all come together and talk about this because we're too grown to be this immature. They won't bring you any more gossip. I'm too planted to hear about what somebody else is doing. See, when you're planted, when you look like this, I need living water, not Hennessy. <laughs> Hennessy's not going to help this grow. I need living water, not Patron. That's not going to help me. I need living water, not Hooker. That's not going to help me grow. I need living water, not Smirnoff. That's not going to help me. I need living water, not a margarita. I need something that's going to help me grow. This only makes sense, though, if you plant it. If you're not planted, it doesn't make sense. But when you're planted, I need living water. But what about John? What about John? John could be a ministry, minister, marriage, X, platform, YouTube channel. John represents anything that makes you underappreciate your season because you're looking at theirs. I can't be planted because I'm worried about John. What would John think about this? What is John going to do? I want us to see this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, okay, this is what I want. I want that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business to work with your own hands as we commanded you there's something that God wants you to work mind your business when it says quiet life it means peaceful not dramatic not histrionics not not causing everybody to like okay there is no peace around them live a peaceful life and you know how you could do that by minding your business and working with your hands. And as I was praying, I was asking God, I said, okay, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard for us to be planted? What's so difficult about us being faithful where we are? Why can't we be content? And I felt as though God answered me. He said, you know what the problem is? Your generation craves attention. The the reason they can't be planted. Carl, I want you to take it back to where it was under the soil. Just just drag it back where it was under the soil. The, The reason your generation and my people struggle with being planted because they crave attention. Nobody could see them when they're planted. They're not getting follows when they're planted. They're not getting engagements when they're planted. And so the struggle is we crave attention. And this is the crazy thing about the flesh. The flesh will have you crave what you hate. Am I telling the truth? I hate the feeling after porn and masturbation. I hate it. But then I'm going to crave it again at night at 11 o'clock when I'm alone. I hate it. I hate the feeling sitting on the edge of the bed with somebody. I said I wasn't going to do this anymore, and I did it again. I hate the feeling. The dial soap doesn't seem to clean you enough. The old spice still has me feeling dirty. I hate the feeling, but I keep doing it. Why do I keep doing it? First off, you keep giving your flesh an atmosphere where it could rain. Okay? You have to view your flesh like a shark. Put the flesh 
Put a shark on sand, it's not that strong. Just keep your distance. That great white is big, it's ferocious, but it's not nearly as deadly on land. Your apartment at 2, 2.30 in the morning is putting it back in water. I don't know why I keep smoking. Well, your click is water. It's water. It's putting my flesh, the shark of my flesh, back in water. And I wonder how I keep getting here. The second thing on how we keep on getting to this place is because whenever your emotional needs and affirmation needs are in poverty, their affection feels like a stimulus check. This is so good. Did y'all hear me? Whenever your emotional and affirmation needs are in poverty, their affection, their follow, their like, feels like a stimulus check. This is why I was trying to get us to understand during Therapy Thursday a few, year, a few weeks ago that sin always exposes an area in your life that's not being met. It really helps you if you think about it. Temptation and sin. I'm not saying sin helps you. I'm saying temptation, the temptation to commit a sin shows you an area in your life where a need is not being met. Really does. So it's easier for me to succumb to what they think about me when I don't understand who I am in Christ. It's so hard for you to stick with it because the need of you having godly affirmations is in a drought. This is why the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Meaning everything I need is in Jesus. The peace I need is in Jesus. The only reason we keep falling to that certain sin, that certain temptation, is because there's an area in your life that temptation is really showing you that's not met. What if it's not the thing that you desire that's bad? It's the place you go to get it. This make sense? This helped me, y'all. Because I used to think I was just foul. Every time there was an altar call, God saved me. Until I recognize it's showing me areas that Jesus needs to fulfill. Because the fleeting pleasures of sin will never satisfy. But if this is something that I want, God, fulfill me like that. I need you to be better than porn to me. I need you to be better. Y'all don't want to talk to me. I need you to be better to me. Teach me how to see you as better. Because temptation is only hard when I don't have a greater than. Become my greater. So this was my petition. The problem is what we crave. So for this generation, we crave attention more than heaven's endorsement. We crave notoriety more than character. We crave platforms more than being a light. So it's like I'd rather get likes in exchange being a light. I told you it was coming, your neck, your scalp, all of it. Jesus is saying, okay, I want you to be planted. We actually rebuke the trimesters that God wants to use to help us grow. Because the trimester that he has us in, nobody can see you. And it's hard to be faithful when you crave attention. After, after Isaac's message, I came up and I gave us six scriptures. I want to just point out three. Because repetition, repetition is the CPR for the lungs of a revelation. Meaning, when you forget something that God revealed to you, when it's repeated, it keeps that revelation alive. There are three passages of scripture I want us to see. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to go to verse 24. It says, here is another story. I have to teach, church. Here is another story or another parable Jesus told the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. Bookmark that. Planted, covered, hidden. All right? If we hop down to verse 31, here is another parable or another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. Second bookmark. Hidden, planted, covered. Verse 44, same 
chapter, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. Are y'all seeing this? I want to try to help somebody who has confused being planted with being buried. Just just these three passages of scripture show us something. God likes hiding stuff. (laughs) Those three passages, just three, I gave us six when Isaac finished teaching. Those three show us that God likes hiding stuff, especially things of value. Especially things that have value. He hides them. You're not going to see gold just sitting on the side of the street. No, it's hidden and covered in a gold mine. Whatever is valuable to God, he hides it. He covers it. We see this with pearls. You're not going to drive to Walmart and see some pearls just in the middle of the parking lot. No, they're hidden under the ocean depths in a shell. Because whatever is valuable, God hides you're not going to find just some crystals on a table anywhere you go. No, they're hidden underneath dirt. Whatever God views as valuable, he hides. So why are you confused that he's hiding you? This is valuable to me, so I have you hidden. I'm covering it. This is Bible all day. Interwoven all throughout the fabric of Scripture, we see God has hidden servants. See, we think God hides us because he's punishing us. If I wouldn't have did this, if I wouldn't have said that, if I wouldn't have done this. God's like, okay, I'm hiding you so that they don't know about that. I'm hiding you because I don't want them to know how lustful you are. I'm dealing with all of that underneath the dirt. There's some dirty things that I'm dealing with underneath the dirt. I'm not doing this to punish you. I'm doing this to purge you. I'm not doing this to punish you. I'm doing this to preserve you. All throughout the Bible, we see God hides his servants to preserve them and purge them. Come here, Joseph. Joseph was hidden in a prison cell. He was on reserve until a time, until a time where his gift and his assignment was needed and conditions were ripe and his heart was right. More Bible. David was hidden in a pasture. Until a time he was on reserve for a time where his gift and his assignment would be needed. When the conditions were ripe and his heart was right. Saul, the great apostle Paul, he was hidden for over three years. On reserve for a time when his gift and assignment would be needed. Moses, I'm giving you Bible y'all. Moses was hidden in the desert, on reserve for a time when his gift and his assignment would be needed. The conditions are ripe and their heart is right. This process even happened to me. I've been preaching since I was 19. I've been uploading videos since I was 24. But God had me hidden. Had me hidden, reserved for a time when my gift and my assignment would be needed. When conditions were ripe and my heart was ripe. This is why you should never procrastinate. This is why you should not procrastinate because all of us, your assignment will have an autumn. Right now, my assignment is in spring. It won't always be in spring. But while it's in spring, I'm going to be faithful. While it's in spring, I'm going to preach with everything I got. While it's in spring, I'm going to study the word. While it's in spring, I'm going to be devoted. So that when it's autumn, I won't have regrets over my life because I left a legacy. I do that in spring. Autumn is coming and you don't know how much time you have. So while it's spring, while you're still relevant, while it's still needed, while it's still be effective, use your gift now. Because you don't know when your autumn is, and your autumn has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with a season. When God tells you obey him, obey him. You don't know when autumn is. When God tells you follow him, follow him. You don't know when your autumn is. When God tells you write the book, write it. You don't know when your autumn is. When God tells you post it, post it. You don't know when your autumn is. I don't procrastinate because he has hidden servants reserved for a time when their gift and assignment would be needed. See, he hired us right here for the purpose of oil training. 
I need you to have an anointing on your life. I want to train you and give you a revelation. Can I mess y'all up? When you understand your oil, you'll recognize I've been calling stuff rejection that really wasn't rejection. Because when you know you have oil for the palace, David, why would you say you feel rejected by people in the pasture? They hurt me. Okay, that was somebody I dated under the dirt. I'm not staying here. I'm coming up. I'm trying to help us. When you understand your oil, you'll recognize what I've been calling rejection was actually protection. It's not that they did me so wrong. It's that I'm, sta- I'm not staying here too long. Oil revelation. I get the oil in the pasture. I get the oil underneath the dirt. The reason God anoints you underneath the dirt is so that you won't feel as people who give you validation when you have the spotlight. I need to anoint you underneath the soil so when you have the spotlight, you won't forget I'm the same one that was with you. I'm trying to help us, y'all. When we don't understand that this is how the kingdom operates, that he hides us, which is being planted, covers us. When we don't understand in the kingdom we're planted, we're hidden first, you'll be fighting so hard to be seen that you'll overlook that God is preparing you for your scene. Bars. Wordplay, but with the word I don't play. You'll be so focused on trying to be seen, S-E-E-N, that you won't see that God is really preparing you for your scene, S-C-E-N-E. There's a scene that you're supposed to play in my role. There's a, there's a scene that you're supposed to play because I'm the author and I'm the finisher of your faith. I hand you your script. When will they notice me? That's not your scene. What about John? What is that to you? You follow me. Follow me. Follow me. When we don't understand this, it causes us to listen to the voice of Satan and listen to the voice of discouragement. Bible all day, same chapter, Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. When you don't understand, this is how it works in the kingdom. You're planted first. And being planted feels like you're hidden. This is how it operates. When you're here, you'll listen to the voice of Satan. If you don't understand, this is how it works. I'm dealing with your root system first. Before you break through the soil... I want you to have an encounter underneath the soil. The Bible tells us to be imitators of our leaders' faith. Somebody say faith. Faith. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way in life and imitate their faith. Faith. Somebody say faith. Faith. You know what the problem with many of us is? We imitate their fake. We imitate their fake, not their faith. Let's have a discernment uh, test right quick. Okay. These two apples, people usually post them, but one of these is fake. Now, let's see. Let's do a a discernment test. This is all online, too. Okay. If you think that this apple is fake, raise your hand. Okay. You got two. Think it's fake. All right. If you think, my voice cracking. If you think, (laughs) if you think that this apple is fake, raise your hand. Now, the ones who raised their hand who thought this one's fake, y'all need some discernment. I need y'all to go listen to my discernment series, June of 2021. Now watch this, watch this. Most of us knew this was fake because it seemed so perfect. It seemed so perfect. I mean, red all the way around. This one has slight discoloration to it. This one doesn't even have its stem sticking out. This one seems to be perfect. 
And this is the one that people post. <laughs> this is so good. This is the one that people are like, man, my ministry is so amazing. God is, he's letting me live my best life. And so what, what they do is they post this. And you'll be feeling insecure because you got this. This is so good, y'all. And so when they post this, then they share it everywhere. Quick, too. <laughs> Fast, too. We're going to do this in real time. I took a little selfie of this, and I want to post it where you guys can see that people usually post what's fake. When you're resenting, really, what you have that's real. You bite this, it'll make you sick. You bite this, it'll give you nutrients. This is so good, man. Do we have this picture? I, I, I took a picture of this. I want us to see it. How fast? This is how we do. Oh, I met my husband. Picture? Post it. Post it. Somebody filled out a booking engagement on your site. Oh, I'm going to this. You haven't even confirmed yet. You haven't even confirmed it. Just post it. Post it. And we do it fast. <laughs> we do it fast. Let's have some more discernment drill. Carl, whenever you had that picture, post it. Um, here's another discernment drill. This one, take your time. <laughs> okay. Which one of these is fake? I'll give you all a good look. Decide to see a good look. Okay. They both have the same stem. All right. Now... If you think that this one is fake, raise your hand. Okay. All right. Hands down. This is funny. If you think that this one is fake, raise your hand. Do it again. Do it again. There go my picture. Look at that. That was about what? Two minutes? Two, three minutes? That, that, somebody said, that's, it does look real, doesn't it? It's fake. Some of us are really insecure over a fake post. Really insecure over fake ministries. If you think this one is the fake one, raise your hand. I think this is fake. This is fake. Okay. All right. You think that this is the fake one, raise your hand. Now, Miss Flowers, you really need discernment. You're married to me. This is real. I got this at our fridge, girl. This is the real one. This is the fake one. Now, this one was harder, right? That's what happens when you really get closer to God. It gets harder. It gets a little harder. Which is why you fast. When I can't really tell, I need a fast. When some opportunities before you and you can't tell, it's you fasting saying, God, I don't know which one of these is you. I don't know which one of these is me. So I'm going to take my time. I'm going to kill all my anxiety. I'm going to kill all my cravings. I'm going to kill all of my thoughts. I need you to teach me and show me which one is real. Which one is real? Most people want this one because it's bigger, but it's fake. It's fake. I'm sorry if the limit hit you. Please don't have a lawsuit. It's fake. This is real. It's smaller, but it contains real. Despise not the small beginnings. So we post it. So we have a whole generation that can't discern fake fruit. <laughs> Y'all just proved it. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to go like that. I was a sermon prep, like, Lord, use this. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. A whole generation that can't discern fake fruit, so we can't discern when we're faithfully at a place we should stay. Because the other places look like they're bearing fruit, but if you get close, it's fake. It's fake. It's the spirit of covetousness. Comparison. I'm going to give you five points and then how we could overcome it. And I'm done. 
first point, point number one, comparison robs, comparison is a robber of discernment. If you had the small lemon, but you wanted a bigger lemon, you would lack discernment that the bigger lemon is bigger because it's fake. It's filled with more air. Comparison is a robber of discernment. It robs your ability to perceive your season. It's likened unto a woman being nine months pregnant and another woman being two months pregnant, and you're trying to give birth because she's in labor. Can't perceive your season. When you have discernment, you'll recognize we're both pregnant. Y'all missed what I just said. When you have discernment, you'll be like, okay, I'm going to thank God that we're both carrying something. I'm going to thank God that we're both pregnant. She's in her ninth month. Praise God. I'm heading there, but I'm not there yet. It robs your discernment. Stop looking at John. Stay planted and follow me. Point number two, comparison makes you compete with your teammates. There are people, Latarius, that are in silent competition with you and I. We don't even know it. <laughs> I got to get many followers. I don't, it's crazy when people compete with you and you're not even playing. <laughs> I'm not even trying. I'm just being planted. What, what about him? You and John are both apostles. You are both. Comparison makes you compete with your teammate. Both of y'all are wearing the jersey team Jesus. The potter is the same, but the process is different. Stop looking at John. Stay planted and follow me. Point number three, comparison robs you of the ability to perceive your oil. Your oil. There are levels to oil. When I say oil, I mean anointing. Saul was anointed with a flask of oil. David was anointed with a ram horn of oil. Jesus was anointed with an alabaster box of oil. These are different levels of anointing. And when you can't discern your oil, you try to get on a stage that you don't have oil for. And the last thing we need, especially in America, is more oilist preachers that have a national voice. We don't need that. And a lot of us can't discern skill from oil. The fake lemon from the real lemon. Stop looking at John. Be planted and follow me. Number four, comparison is the mother of infertility. It keeps you from giving birth. Well, when I get a camera like that, then I'll do that. When I got at least 10 people, y'all ever seen somebody live? Hey, man, we're going to wait. Amen. Amen. Y'all, amen. Just say what you got to say. <laughs> Tell him, say what you got to See, here's the thing about this scrolling stuff. I noticed this. It's speed. It's a social feed. It feeds the craving of attention. And we can't be planted because we keep feeding ourselves every day. I'm talking about sit on the toilet till your, till your legs start falling asleep. Like you doing this, your legs staticking because you're feeding. I think I'm playing. I know I'm telling the truth. It keeps you, keeps you from giving birth. So instead of you feeding your spirit, you're feeding the craving of attention. Notice it next time you post on your feed. <laughs> Number five, comparison is the spawning pool of insecurities. You want to be insecure? Compare. And this is the revelation that really blessed me. What if the problem is you view being out of dress code as a problem. I want it like this. I, I'm just different. I'm like, what if the problem is you view being out of dress code as a problem? You don't fit in with your community. 
and you view that as a problem. I don't fit in with culture, and you view that as a problem. You don't do it like how everybody else does it. You view that as a problem. I had to recognize I need to do Jerry the way that God designed Jerry to do Jerry. I thought I had to wear suits and ties. I don't like suits and ties. I like denim jackets, shoes, and J's. That's how I like it. And God could use me the way that he called for me to be me because nobody could beat me being me. And nobody could beat you being you. What if you're out of dress code on purpose? You never fit in with your family on purpose. You never fit in with your coworkers on purpose. You never fit in in the culture on purpose because you're out of dress code with them. Oh, but I do know where you do match. You do match with ambassadors. You do match with world changers. You do match with trendsetters. You do match with believers. Maybe you're insecure because you view being out of dress code as a problem. You weren't designed to fit in. You were made to stand out. Stop looking at John. Be planted and you follow me. So how do we overcome this? Number one, speak over you what God says about you. Not what mama said. Not what an ex said. Not what a friend. What did God say about you? I don't care if you have to look in the mirror every single morning before you leave for work, if it's online, in person, wherever it is, you have to tell yourself, I'm the head and not the and not beneath. I'm blessed in going. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm wonderfully made. I'm fearfully made. God made me with no eraser because he makes no mistakes. I'm the masterpiece of God. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a peculiar people. If you have to look at yourself and do that, Working out on the treadmill, people may think you're crazy. Running, you may have to shout out, I'm a world changer. Because your flesh is saying, quit. But your spirit is saying, I'm a world changer. Notice how champions talk to themselves. Muhammad Ali is training. I'm going to keep dancing. He's not going to be strong after 10 rounds. He's not going to be strong after 10 rounds. I done wrestled with an alligator, tossed him with a whale. Handcuffed lightning through thunder in jail. Last week I murdered a rock, injured a stone. He ain't gonna be so tough at the round eight. He talked it to himself. Do you talk yourself into it? Or do you let the enemy talk yourself out of it? Speak over you what God says about you. Number two, I already stated it. Remember the potter is the same. God does something great in a brother or sister's life, that's the same God that can do it for you. Y'all ever need a package and you're waiting for it and you see UPS, Amazon, or FedEx on your street? That ever happened to anybody? You don't get mad when they stop at your neighbor first because you think if they're on my street, mine must be next. This makes sense? Remember, the potter is the same. Number three, their favor is never at your expense. Thank you for the one clap. We need to get that. You're not losing because God is doing something in their life. My favor never hurts you. If anything, it helps you. My favor is never at your expense. And the most profound two words, point of all of this, number four, follow me. Follow me. How do I get over comparing? Follow me. What standard, what principles does God want you to follow in 2023? For most of us, it's generic via the scriptures. But others of us, you have a specific word. Some of us, it's lose weight, get out of debt, be organized, don't let your trunk look like that, be nice. Seriously, remember, the potter's the same, but everybody's process is different. If you could focus on following him versus looking at John, you end up looking like this. This is what everybody wants. 
Everybody wants the winning season. Everybody wants to come from underneath the soil. But there are layers to it. Peter, when you were young, you went and dressed yourself and went to the places that you wanted to go. But when you're old, you'll be stretched and people who you don't want to dress you will dress you. Peter, after all of that, what about John? And Jesus told him, what I'm telling us today, what is that to you? You follow me. God, in this moment, we repent for following influencers versus following your voice. Help us to remember we weren't called to be influencers. We were called to be instruments. Use us for your glory. In the body of Christ, we're all many members of one body. Some are pinky, some are hands, some are feet. Help us to be content and planted at whatever part you want us to be. If we all played flutes, it wouldn't be a musical. If we all played saxophones, it wouldn't be a musical. But God, as the conductor of your orchestra, give us the strength to play our instrument and our part so that we could have a chorus in the earth that you're a king and we glorify you. We're asking that you do it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that prayer would just shout in the room, amen. Was this good for you, church family?